0: Football season is never over. The Ringer NFL show has got all your football needs covered from free agency to the draft and so much more. Check out the Ringer NFL show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: It's New York, New York presented by FanDuel. The MLB season is in full swing and you can step up to the plate with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new an improved parlay hub filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, bet the live same-game parlays for every MLB game and track your game and bets live with box scores and play-by-play. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem called 100 Gambler? Or visit rg-help.com.
0: This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies' splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake.
1: <laughs> Thomas's. Huzzah. A toast to breakfast. Coming up on New York, New York. Draft reaction wall to wall. The Giants miss out on Devontae Smith, but end up making a trade down. What a concept. They'd get and trade it down. Then. You have the New York Jets getting their franchise quarterback, they hope, and adding an offensive lineman in the process. Good night for the Jets. Interesting night for the Giants. Tons of voicemails. We got Bob with shoes in the radio voice of the Jets. Danny Heifetz and a ton of voicemails. It's a reaction night. New York, New York. Right here on the Ringer Podcast Network. Presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. Coming up next. Hello, baby. Welcome in to a jam-packed episode 12 of New York, New York, with yours truly, J.J. John Strzemski, right here on the Ringer Podcast Network. And let's just say, when I started this gig, which feels like 10 years ago, to be honest with you, I had this particular night circled on my calendar for two reasons. One, It is my sister's 30th birthday. And because it's the NFL draft, I didn't even basically see her tonight. No dinner. I didn't do any of that stuff. So I'm a terrible big brother. I love her very much. And it was her birthday. But I also had this date circled on the calendar. Love you, Caroline. But because, you know, the NFL draft and round one is kind of a big deal when you do what we do. If you're in media, sports media, podcast, television, radio, this is one of those nights that you live for. And all in all, I would say it was a very intriguing, a very chaotic first round. And from a Giants standpoint, it's funny. You would think with the Jets taking a quarterback and with the Jets trading up to go and get themselves an offensive lineman, the start for me would be about this new era of Jet football. But in many ways, it was kind of anticlimactic because the worst kept secret on planet Earth, basically, over the last two months was that Trevor Lawrence was going one to, to Jacksonville and that Zach Wilson was going two to the New York Jets. And it has got a little cockiness about him. it has got a little swagger about him. And I like it. That is the sort of attitude I think you kind of need to have in order to play quarterback in the NFL at a very high level? I want my leader of men. I want my guy to be an alpha. Wilson has that quality to him. Can he play in a league at a high level? Who the hell knows? It is going to be a big jump from BYU to the pros, but we've seen guys do it from smaller schools for that matter. The attitude, though, is what I like in the early going with Zach Wilson. But they're not even the story tonight. In New York, it's because of the chaotic nature of the Giants and where they were sitting at 11. So you got to understand something. I have been banging the drum for the Giants to go and get a wide receiver, and I wanted them to get one of the two Alabama guys. I had a funny feeling, my team, the Dolphins, once Pitts was off the board, once Chase was off the board, had a feeling they were going to take Jalen Waddle because of his breakaway speed. And because of how he will complement that team with Tua moving forward. So I kind of thought that was going to be the pick. So when that shakes out, what is the thought going through a whole lot of minds of Giant fans? Holy moly. Can we go get a guy who won the Heisman Trophy a year ago? Can we go get a guy that Mike Francesa proclaimed is a can't-miss stud? He did so on this show just a few days ago. And can the Giants find a way to land Devontae Smith? That idea went out the window when the Cowboys and the Eagles made a trade. And that was one of those, like, holy shit type deals where you're watching the draft and you're like, Cowboys, Eagles made a trade? But guess what? It makes sense. Dallas moved down two picks and got a third round pick. Yeah, they're going to have to deal with Devontae Smith in the division, but... If they didn't make the trade, they were probably going to have to deal with Devontae Smith in the division anyway. So what's the damn difference? Giants, Eagles, take your pick. Play them twice anyway. So once that goes down, I'm like, all right, well, what are the Giants going to do? Are the Giants going to take a tackle? Are the Giants going to reach for a wide receiver? What are they going to do? And this is where I, I can't believe I'm doing this can't believe I'm actually about to say what I'm going to say. Dave Gettleman did a wonderful job in finding a quarterback needy team and trading down. Stroke of genius. Round of applause. If you guys can hear me clapping, I don't want to give you the loud stadium clap because honestly nobody needs that in podcast form. You want to hear that? Find me at Yankee Stadium on Tuesday. Hooting and hollering against the Astros. Not right now in podcast land. They pick up an additional first couple extra picks. That is exactly the way of thinking that I, for one, am looking for out of my general manager. So from that standpoint, job well done for Dave Gettleman. Now, here's going to be my critique. Kadarius Toney out of Florida is super speedy. He also gives off that sort of gimmicky wide receiver type of feel. He does. He would not have been the receiver I would have taken. Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota, who I saw a ton last year, I think is terrific. And the Baltimore Ravens, who are a team that kind of knows what they're doing when it comes to the NFL draft, didn't take much. Bateman was on the board for them. They couldn't wait to pounce. That would have been the guy I was all over. Know this with Tony. It's going to require creativity to get him going. That's where Jason Garrett, okay, you got Kenny Galladay on one side, you got Tony maybe in the slaughter on the other side. How are you going to find a way to get the ball in his hands where he can put that speed to work? A lot of the critiques for Dave Gettleman on this giant pick are going to be he ended up getting a guy who has similar characteristics to John Ross, who they just brought in from the Cincinnati Bengals. That's the critique. Would not have been my pick. And I guess, look, they got a receiver, which I'm happy about because it's a make or break year for Jones. Do I think Tony's going to be as good as Devante Smith? I do not. Do I think he's going to be as good as Rashad Bateman? No, I do not. Now it's time for him to go and prove me wrong. It's not a bad pick. It's not a bad pick because it filled the need that I, for one, was looking to see this team address. I know this quarterback's in a make-or-break year. I know full well I got to put talent around them. Giants have done that now. Giants have done that. I don't want to hear any excuses for Daniel Jones next year. I don't want to hear it. Galladay, Tony, Kyle Rudolph, Barkley's back. Got to produce. Simple as that. Got to produce. I'll give the Giants an A for the trade down. This pick, not the one I would have made. Okay. Don't think it's an awful pick, but it's not the pick I would have made. From a Jets standpoint, today's kind of a feed up, relax. Let's start a new era type of day. You got your quarterback, but what I loved out of the Jets is they said, look, we have done such a terrible job. Prior regimes, not Joe Douglas necessarily in supporting a young quarterback. Look at Sam Donald over the last few years. Going and getting Veritaka and trading up to go and get him. It shows me, hey, guess what? We're taking the offensive line and prioritizing the offensive line. Seriously. That's what you should be doing. You got that young quarterback? Get some big ass dudes in front of them who can give some time to throw and they're gonna allow, hopefully, Zach Wilson to make some magic. So the Jets knew who their quarterback was going to be to go and get another offensive lineman. Job well done. From a Giant standpoint, roller coaster of a day. Miss out on Devontae Smith. You're not in love with that. Trading back with the Bears. You absolutely love that. Not like, love. Mr. Tony. Remains to be seen. Jam-packed show. We got tons of listener voicemails. Tons. Jet reaction. Giant reaction. We'll get to what was a pretty rotten and ugly Yankee game from Thursday afternoon that did not sit well with my lunch. But hey, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, sometimes it rains. So guys, I got to admit, all the craziness that I had going on in my apartment, the Ringer locker room NFL show, I'm doing television on SNY, Uh, I decided not to plug in my microphone for Bob with Shoes and Danny Heifetz. So you guys are going to have to deal with me on Zoom. I know, listen, everybody has been dealing with everybody on Zoom, but you're going to have to deal with my Zoom audio for these two interviews. It's going to sound great, but in case you're wondering, that's what's up. We got Bob with Shoes in the radio voice of the New York Jets. We have Danny Heifetz, our guy is checking back in. And I might be taking a couple of bows with a couple of my draft props that were... Moy Caliente, as they say. Bob was shooting up next. New York, New York, right here. Bring a podcast network.
2: This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more to find coupons and start an instant online estimate. Visit JiffyLube.com.
1: Let's welcome in a guy who I've wanted to have on the show for basically forever. But because of my former employer, we were unable to do so. The radio voice of the New York Jets, a man of many play-by-play talents, the great Bob shoes. And what's up, Bobby? How right, JJ? Bob, doing well, man. It's good having you on. Uh, you've been through this ringer far too many times with the Jets. And it's way too early to say, what, on April 29th that the Jets have it right? But where is your optimism level compared to maybe where it's been over the last few years?
3: Well, it, you know, the, the formula that Joe Douglas, you know, and, and philosophically has employed the last couple of years. Um, is i mean I'm the radio announcer so who cares what I think but like what he's doing is much more in line with I think how you build a football team and that is obviously he wanted his quarterback and wanted to reset the financial clock and I totally understand that um I think there was kind of a no-lose situation here at quarterback if they would have kept Sam Darnold and traded out of 2 and mortgaged that pick and gotten a whole bunch of assets I would have been fine with that too I think Zach Wilson and Sam Darnold can both play this position at a very high level. But the fact that he has made such a conscious effort to focus on the offensive line when the last two regimes basically thought they could kind of, you know, kind of, you know, pick and choose some guys off the scrap heap to fill in on the offensive line and didn't spend the legit assets you have to spend to build up front in front of the quarterback. That to me is the most encouraging thing last year, you know, getting Makai Becton and now making this trade for Vera Tucker. Um, you know, it, it, harkens back to the Debrickishaw, Ferguson, Nick Mangold days, right? Like that was, that was really the, the, the bones of the skeleton that built a, a back-to-back trip uh, to, to the AFC championship game. And, you know, so I, I just think Joe Douglas just philosophically, I agree with, I think how, how he envisions what you have to do to build a winner
1: going through the process, Bob, was there one particular thing with Zach Wilson that kind of jumped off the page at you?
3: Well, you know, I mean, like when you watch him, you can see all of the DNA of a really gifted player. Um, You know, you have to project it because look who he's playing with and look who he's playing against. Um, You know, I mean, but we've seen plenty of quarterbacks succeed in the NFL when they played against quote unquote, lower level competition. Um, You know, he, he's, he just seems to have that it quality. You know, they're just guys when you watch them, especially at that position. And Josh Allen, I think at least in this division now is now the gold standard. It's crazy to say that, but I mean, you know, the other three teams are all kind of starting over at quarterback and, you know, Josh Allen has that, that quality about him when you watch him, where it's just, he, he gives off this aura of, I've got this, like, I'm good. It doesn't matter what's going on around me. I got it. And when you watch Zach Wilson, he's got some of that, you know, just he he exudes that confidence. And I I think he's going to do really well.
1: You've been calling Jack Gaines for a long time. And Bob, I know you like firing off opinions on Twitter. That's why I like you so much. Not only because you're terrific doing the play by play, I like when you get into it on Twitter. I like the back and forth from time to time. So I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. Give me the guy in all your years of going through the NFL draft that you loved and you couldn't have been more right on. And give me the guy that you were banging the drum for and you just couldn't have been more wrong.
3: Well, I guess, and I think I'm a victim of circumstance here, but I banged the drum as much as you could ever bang the drum for Sam Donald. I and mean, when they got Sam Darnold, I really, truly believed that they had the guy. That the the fifty year problem was solved, and and I guess that's why I'm still banging the drum for him. Like I'm that kind of stubborn talk show host DNA, where I don't want to admit I'm wrong because I still don't think I'm wrong because I think he's going to go to Carolina. Well, he's going to be really good.
1: Role. He's got his buddy Robbie Anderson. It's nice when you have Christian McCaffrey in the backfield. I think he's going to play well there too. I don't know if he's going to be a top five quarterback, Bob, but he can be an upper echelon quarterback in the league in that spot. I think
3: the best skill guy that he had in the three years that he was with the jets for two years, he had Robbie Anderson and Robbie Anderson was a walk on free agent from temple. You know, now Mac Jones just got taken by the Patriots, with the 15th pick. A lot of people thought he should have gone third. He played in college with four first round wide receivers. Like, where's the context? Where's the perspective? To me, Sam Darnold was a victim of three years of being hung out to dry and having no one out there to help him. So I'm not, I guess, just the stubborn talk show host in me. I'm not giving up on my opinion of Sam Darnold. I still think he can do this at a very high level. So I bang the drum for Sam and I will continue to bang the drum for Sam Darnold because You know, I just, I don't think he has been given in any way a fair shake to show how good he can be.
1: This division, which has been run by the Patriots for the better part of 20 years, the Bills make their mark last year. Bob, I think it's going to be a whole lot of fun, dude. I mean, Buffalo is rocking and rolling. They were in the AFC title game last year. My Dolphins have all these picks. They're building a team in the right direction. They won 10 games. New England spent a boatload of money in free agency. And then you have the Jets with Robert Sala and Zach Wilson and all in all, I look at a division that was so one-sided for a long period of time. I think we're going to have far more, dare I say, parody. Am I crazy to say that in the AFC East? Or no, do you still I mean, think it's no, going to be no, Buffalo for a while now?
3: I think, no, I think the Patriots getting all these guys back on defense. They now have their quarterback. The Dolphins were you know, a, a 10 win team last year, if memory serves, they have their quarterback. The jets have their quarterback. I mean, the jets, I think have the biggest roster build to do of any of the four teams. The jets are not done by any stretch of the imagination. Um, they've got Zach Wilson. They've got a couple of offensive linemen. They've got some building blocks, but the jets, I think are still, you know, the, 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 least talented roster in the divisions. They have a lot of work to do to try to catch up to, in terms of accumulating all of those soldiers that you need, say from roster spots, you know, 15 to 20 up to 40, which it's nice to have the guys at the top of the pyramid, but you got to build those lower levels of the pyramid or the whole building falls down. And they need to do a lot of foundational work, I think, to catch up to the talent level that I think the Dolphins and, and Bills have, and even the Patriots. Um, but I think it's amazing, you know, when you look at the most important position, which is quarterback. And now Josh Allen is the gray beard elder statesman at quarterback in the division. That's he's in his fourth year. And now the, all four teams have basically started over with a young quarterback. And we'll see over the next 10 to 12 years which one got it right. It certainly seems like the Bills are off to a flying start in terms of which one got it right.
1: They needed a leader of men to be their head coach in the absolute worst way. I think they have one now in Robert Sala. What has been in your initial dealings with him, Bob? What has been a big takeaway?
3: Yeah, that he's a CEO. You know, I, I really like that about him, and I think that was something that they were drawn to in a in a big, big way. That you know, he's going to be someone who will get, who will empower his play callers on both sides of the ball, but he will be the unquestioned leader at the top of the food chain. And everyone will report to him. This is not going to be a coach that will, Hey, when the defense is on the field, you guys go do the best you can. You've got your own head coach. I'll be over here and I'll just take care of one side of the ball. And I, you know, I think they were looking for that. And, uh, and he's got this, you know, infectious, charismatic personality that players of today are drawn to. I thought it was a great sign when they hired him that there were so many guys who played for him that unsolicited on social media or with reporters when they were called basically said, yeah, the Jets got a winner. Like they had no stake in the game any longer. They weren't playing for Robert Sala any longer you know, guys that had had come across them at other stops or were still 49ers that weren't going to come play for the Jets. They're not campaigning for a job to come play for them. They just kind of unsolicited said, this is a guy that the Jets are lucky to get. And when you get those unsolicited endorsements from guys that have played for them, I think that's a great sign
1: um, your checklist now for the next couple of days, just need a lot on this roster. What does Bob was shoes and want from this football team over the next couple of days? Oh,
3: I mean, with the, with the, you know, with, with what they do from here on out, unless they draft like another quarterback, I, I don't know. You're okay. what, Fair enough. I, I, was I, gonna say, I don't know that. what they could do that. I You don't want a
1: punter. You're good there. And yeah. Your, any I guess other either a, a cool. punter, a
3: safety or a quarterback. I don't, I don't really, I think that's about it. I mean, I, you know, there's, there's almost no position on this team where if they went out and, you know, and drafted a player at said position, I would be like, well, wow, that's an embarrassment of riches. They were okay there. Um, you know, they, they need a lot still. And, uh, you know, and, and I'm as curious as anyone to see what they do. Final one. You've been calling Jet Games
1: now for a long, long time, my friend. When you think about your career, and you've called a lot of great games with the Jets, CSPN, you name it. What is the greatest Jet game you ever called?
3: Oh, it had to be when, when they went up to New England, you know, in the playoffs as like 16 and a half point favorite uh, underdogs or whatever they were, you know, lose to the Patriots, 45 to three on Monday night football. Did
1: you like their chances in that game, by the way?
3: No, Did they didn't have liked okay. their chances. I mean, you know, I thought that they were a, a different team that was going back up there than the one that had played on Monday night football and, uh, and in talking with the coaches, I drank a little bit of Kool-Aid that week. I was, I was told a little bit of the game plan of what they were going to do defensively. And, and Rex came up with, you know, I mean, he, he kind of set a little bit of a trap and the Patriots fell into it and it worked. Um, and you know, I, but I, no, I mean, I never thought that they were actually going to go up there. I, I, my, I was optimistic that with say 10 minutes to go in the game, that if they would still be in it. And there would still be a reason to watch and a reason to hope and a reason to root for a jet fan, but that I actually think they were going to pull off a win, no. It' much honest, more fun to call.
1: I'm just glad you didn't set Monday Night Miracle. By the no, way. No,
3: no, 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 that, that would not be. I mean, it's nice to win a regular season game, but no, when you have games that are, you know I mean like that are, are season-defining moments that, that, uh, that have the ramifications that a playoff game has, those are the ones that certainly stick out.
1: Well, listen, don't be a stranger. Hopefully, we can do this again soon. And I know you have some pull with the commissioner and whatnot. Can we get a Jet Dolphin primetime Thursday night or Monday night game, Bob? Is that too much to ask? Sure. No, I'll put in for that. I'll have you work on that. You have a better chance than I do. Thank you. I appreciate a couple of minutes. No problem. That's a great Bob. We're choosing the radio voice in the New York Jets. A lot more to do. New York, New York right here. Ringer Podcast Network. So, we're breaking up the voicemails. A little differently today. Because it is draft day, I figured we'd separate our jet calls to our giant calls. We're going to see how this goes. I'm fairly confident I'm going to like it, at least for a big night like tonight. Makes it a little easy to rock and roll. I haven't heard any of these. In case you're wondering, I don't listen to any of these voicemails until I hear them on the show. It's more fun that way. I don't want to script this shit. What are you kidding me? What kind of amateur podcast do you think this is? We read React, baby. Like Peyton Manning at the line of scrimmage, Omaha, Omaha, Red 7, Red 7. Speaking of Red 7, who's up?
4: Hey, JJ, this is Milton from Brooklyn.
5: Super Jets fan, super hyped up. Zach Wilson is the future. I'm excited about that pick. Hopefully he turns out to be as good as they say. And moving up to the fourteenth pick was amazing. And to start building a wall, Becton and now Tucker, they have built a wall, protect your quarterback, give him time to throw. It's going to be fun in New York. Hopefully, this leads to something I haven't said in a long time. That's playoffs down the road. But for now, they're building. They're building, JJ. This is how you build an offensive line. Go Jets.
1: That's my main man, Milton, the cowbell man, letting it rip for his New York, New York debut. And it's a good day for you, Jeff, fan, Because you think about the prior regime and the failures around Sam Darnold. Now, listen, Sam was not perfect. Sam did not play well enough, the Jets were well within their rights to move on. But it's obvious they didn't do right by Sam Darnold with the way they built the roster. This young quarterback is being properly supported right out of the gate. They draft an offensive lineman. They have each of the last two years in the first round. Now they have a leader of men as their head coach. But for this franchise to take the step you want them to take, It's all going to be about the quarterback. I expect him to start right out of the gate. I don't have a problem with him starting right out of the gate. Let it rip. Grow on the job. Get better with each passing game. That's what I want to see. Thursday night was a good night for the New York Jets. Who's up next?
5: Hey, JJ. It's Ira from Staten Island. So I got my boy, Zach Wilson. It's the Zach Wilson era. Um, And I think Douglas did a brilliant move trading up in front of the Patriots to take Vera Tucker. Um, you got to solidify that offensive line. Tremendous move. I didn't hear what they gave up. I'm going to probably estimate maybe a third this year and maybe something next year. But uh, so far today, Douglas gets an A. And good luck to your
6: Dolphins, bro. Talk soon.
1: The great iron Staten Island gives Joe Douglas and the New York Jets a round of applause and the seal of approval. Quarterback, offensive lineman in the first round. And the Jets were in a position where they were able to go and trade up because they have all these draft picks. You can be aggressive there. You had an offensive lineman that you felt was by far and away the best offensive lineman on the board. You don't want to mess around. Now think about the left side of your offensive line. Makai Becton, Veritaka. Nothing to worry about, hopefully, for the next 8 to 10 years. Bob Wischusen trying to give you the DeBrickishaw, Nick Mangold vibes. Well, if that's what you're getting out of these two guys, the Jets are in really,
4: really good shape.
1: Who's up next?
4: Hey, JJ, it's Alex from Mesopiqua. Huge fan. I called back in summer 15 regarding Quato to the Yankees rumors. Just wondering if the Jets don't trade back into the first, what do you think they should do at 34? Do you think another offensive lineman makes sense? Or do you think they should even trade back into the, back in the second round to acquire more assets? Thanks.
1: I'm never going to have a problem, Alex, with a Jet team that needs a ton of players mm-hmm. getting more picks. And basically, where do you begin on this roster? This is going to be about the best player available type of chart. Simple as that. The Jets have a lot of needs. They have a needed corner. They could use help at edge rusher. They could certainly use more help on the offensive line. If you want to go get some talent, if Zach Wilson throw the football to be my guest there, even with bringing in. Corey Davis from the Tennessee Titans. And you trade 23, 66, and 86 for 14 and 143. You can be aggressive like that. You got a ball of the picks. You target, you pinpoint guys you like. Clearly, Joe Douglas is a big fan of Veritaker. Now, we'll see if that left side of the jet line is set for the next decade. Coming up next, Danny Heifetz and Giant Reaction. It's that kind of show, moving and shaking. Where else would you have to be? We're coming right back.
0: This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks
1: and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. <laughs> Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. So we go from Jet Perspective. To Giant Perspective, this gentleman joined us the other day. I had some fun on the Locker Room app doing the Ringer NFL Live draft hit they had going on. And now his Giants have had a very eventful day. Ain't that
7: right, Danny Heifetz? What's happening, bro? Yes, it is, man. I think I got to buy you a couple beers. I said they took a live and they went with the receiver. You were hey, right. Listen, they will be
1: tasting good, and I can guarantee it is. They will be elite, top-level type of stuff that I like to enjoy. Before we get to the pick, before we dive into all that stuff, take me through your emotions as this first round is taking place and Devontae Smith is on the board and you see the Eagles trade up in the Dallas Cowboys spot. Like, what is Danny Heifetz thinking right out of the gate when he sees that?
7: I mean, my first emotion was, holy crap, I can't believe the Eagles and Cowboys made a trade. Like, that blew my mind. And then I thought about it. I was like, I guess it makes sense because the Cowboys weren't going to take a receiver. And they're thinking, well, we don't care. Devontae Smith is going to end up in the division, whether he goes to the Eagles or Giants. We might as well get a pick out of it. And then from the Eagles' perspective, yeah, I think they leapfrogged us for that reason, which is kind of upsetting. Um, so I'm annoyed that Devontae Smith is now in the division and I'm gonna have to deal with him in Philly. But I like that Gettleman traded back. Oh, oh my listen, god. I can't believe it. It. Let's give
1: credit. High Fitz, I roasted him for he it did the it. other day. You roasted it for him. You know, we had the whole pick. We were making fun of him, the whole deal. I truly believe that the pressure got to Gettleman or maybe Joe Judge took that New England influence and said, hey, old man Dave, this is something we got to do, bro.
7: I think it's right. Part of it, I, def- I do think that, he did address like the fervor over why have you never done this? I was surprised he responded to it in the press conference because he portrays himself as someone who doesn't care about the outside noise. And then he's out here like, Oh, you guys say I haven't done it. But the flip side is I also think the board broke down in a perfect way for them to trade back because they wanted a receiver. And then the value was not there. Clearly they were looking for a receiver. Kadarius Tony's pretty good, man. I don't know if he's, ex- he's not nearly the kind of all around player they could have got with Smith. He's not that he's not as good. But this is a real jittery dude. Like, this, he makes people miss. He gets open. He's the kind of athlete the Giants have not had. I'm not going to compare him to Odell, but in terms of the, you can give him the ball to yard, like on a slant, and he can bring it, he has that ability. So it's pretty exciting. He's an exciting so player. All
1: in all, this pick of Tony is a blessing pick from Danny Heifetz is what you're saying. You were giving well, it's pick Tony here, and a
7: first rounder. So well, yeah, I really thing. like got that. A
1: lot of co- so let me ask you this question then. Okay. You could have had Devante Smith or you could have had Tony and all the picks from Chicago. What option oh, are you choosing? Good, if you had the option.
7: It's oh, a really good question. So I'm choosing Devonte Smith. By my by heart way. says Devonte Smith. My brain says you want a receiver that's slightly lesser and a first rounder because this team is not a receiver away from being a contender. This team still has serious problems on defense. I love the idea of picking up a first rounder because let's be real. Dalvin Tomlinson left. this The, edge, the team has no edge rushers. I, I, I'm They have a good defensive coordinator, but there's just a lot of questions still on this team. I think the interior of the offensive line is tough. They better address that in the second and third round. But Kadaris Tony's a fun kind of player. You can tell they were pr- prioritizing getting a receiver. I mean, this is a good outcome. Like, I'm really glad they didn't just reach with this pick. However, here's my qualm. To zoom out, what happened here was that the Giants decided to not take Justin Fields because they're committed to Daniel Jones. And if you within exist within that framework, that that's what's going to happen. They're not taking quarterback. This is a great day for the Giants. Getting Kadarius Tony, getting a first-round pick. They also picked up a couple mid-round picks. They got a fifth round. They got other picks, too. From this team is great. a I
1: add, that's not going to be very good next year. No. They're not no, going to be very good.
7: Well, we'll see. I think Fields could be good. Here's the nah, thing. Yeah, but that's going
1: to be, a, regardless, High Heifetz, that's a top-20 pick. That's I a top-20 pick.
7: Yes, and that's good. However, I think there's also a good chance that you look back at this as... What the two years, three years from now, like, wow, the Giants could have had fields and they traded back to keep Jaden Jones, just like the Bills traded back with the Chiefs and the Chiefs took Mahomes and the Bills were only bailed out of being made fun of because they got Josh Allen and it worked out. But the Bills traded out for Mahomes. Don't forget all the teams that passed on Mahomes and stuff in that draft. I think that there's a chance that we look back on it and kind of think, wow, the Giants could have just had fields themselves if he turns out to be really good. However, well, I think that's a good narrative, a
1: good though. That's two narratives to watch now with this draft moving forward. Fields who they were never gonna take. Let's make that perfectly clear. No, no, it was they was never were gonna were happen. Never, ever, ever taken a quarterback. But for somebody like you and for somebody like me, yeah, we can put it in the memory bank. The other guy that we're gonna be watching now for the next five years, it's funny. The Dolphins will have this Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith. Your team will have it because you were one pick away potentially from getting him.
7: Yeah. And what's weird is the giants were behind all three of their divisional opponents because the Cowboys were ahead of them. The Eagles traded up to be ahead of like, it was just like a weird situation. And then they picked b- behind Washington. So, it's strange, right? But I think that where my head is at is that we already knew what the season was going to be for the Giants. It's the make or break year for Daniel Jones. Now it's like all the excuses are off the board. They added Galladay. They got Katerius Tony. It's unbelievable. I think that the sneaky, the guy that to really watch here is Jason Garrett. Dave Gettleman has inar- inarguably put a lot of really fun, sexy pieces on this offense. Jason Garrett is the least sexy coordinator (laughs) in the entire NFL. I like you like like,
1: clapping. If you like clapping, he's super sexy. He's the clapper, man. But that's the
7: thing. If you want to clap for the Giants this season, you watch all these highlights of Kadarius Tony. You know what Florida's doing? They're putting him in motion. They're giving him exotic screens. They're putting him in places to succeed. You've got Kadarius Tony and Saquon on the same team. You've got John Ross as like your fifth option speed guy. I want to see creativity from the designs of this team if this is like standing water of an offense i'm going to be pissed but i there's a chance to be really fun what are we giving this pick is a grade A B, B plus i think the trade is an a and I the agree. pick is like a b minus I, the pick I isn't that, fair exceptional phrase.
1: right now i think we're on the same wavelength with the grades by the way i like the a for the trade i'd give it a b minus still b minus still Don't forget, Tony, the receiver you wanted out of any of the guys that were on the board. Did you know I wanted to show kid?
7: I wanted Rashad Bateman from Minnesota. I think that he's a more complete player. Uh, I'm not going to. Here's the thing. How many times do we see the first couple of receivers off the board just not be the best in the draft? I mean, it almost never happens, to be honest with you. Like Michael Thomas was the second
1: Jefferson last year.
7: Fifth receiver taken. Michael Thomas was the second rounder. Devontae Adams for the Packers, best receiver in football. He was the ninth receiver taken in that draft. I mean, over and over and over and over again, there is a real disconnect between the top receivers taken. Now, this draft might be different because there's a different caliber of receivers. Jamar Chase is probably the best receiving prospect since maybe Julio Jones himself, or at least since Mike Evans or, or Sammy Watkins. But... They deserve the benefit of the doubt that Tony could be really good and that they have a vision for him. That's what's key to me. They need to have a vision for this player in this offense. I'm just concerned that Jason Garrett doesn't really have vision in general. I can understand that. Now, what do you need to see tomorrow?
1: What is on the checklist for you now? Edge guy, offensive line?
7: Trenches, trenches, trenches. See, now Big you can like get, you hog
1: molly, you get hog mollied out. I allow you to get hog, hog Molly out
7: Hog out. Give me defensive ends. Give me, they, again... None of the Giants' edge rushers have more than 10 career sacks. Lorenzo Carter has talent. They need to get him uh, someone better on the outside, and they need to shore up the interior of this line. I will be very happy if we come out with a solid someone who can start for us in the second round of the offensive line and maybe another edge rusher. So this is not a break the remote kind of night for Danny Heifetz. No, it's good. They trade. Good. Look, gentlemen, Look, I've asked him to trade back for three years. He did it. I'm going to be happy. It's a good night, man. It's a good night. Well, thank you for checking in two times in a week, by the way. Now
1: you're like, uh, I think you're the first ever reoccurring guest on this show. So that's uh, an maybe, honor. Wow. Maybe we'll put a plaque somewhere in the apartment or in the house somewhere. You could have that. You know, we might, uh, we might give that to our guests now when they come on for a second time, instead of giving them, you know, uh, a gift certificate or a watch or a handshake, you get a plaque.
7: <laughs> I'll do it. I'll put it on my desk. There we go. It'll be, it could be commemorative zoom background.
1: Atta boy. Don't be a stranger. All right.
7: All right, thank you. It's a good night, and you have a good night, John.
1: Danny Heifetz, our guy, Ringer, resident Giant fan, and now our first ever reoccurring guest. We got to listen to voicemails coming up. We'll set the stage for the weekend. Good night for me. We'll get a sense. Giant fans, Jeff fans, how y'all feeling? New York, New York, right here, Ringer Podcast Network. So you're gonna remember draft night for the New York Giants. Thinking about, I believe, two things. Devontae Smith, and whether or not he's going to haunt you and kill you now for the next 10 years wearing a Philadelphia Eagles uniform. And Heifetz brought it up, even though, listen, the Giants were never taking a quarterback. Wasn't going to happen. But we're now going to watch Justin Fields' career in Chicago, and we're going to watch Mac Jones' career with the New England Patriots. And If one of those guys ends up being a stud and you're drafting a quarterback next year or the following year, there will forever be that what could have been. That's life in the NFL. I mean, look at Ryan Pace. He actually was given the opportunity to draft another quarterback. Let that sink in for a minute. That's hard to believe. He screwed up with two can't miss guys sitting on the board for him. Didn't take Watson, who, by the way, is the guy I would have taken. And I don't think we're roasting Ryan Pace the same way we're roasting him now if he took Watson instead of Trubisky. I mean, I don't know for the life of me how you survive when you take Trubisky over Mahomes and Watson. Like, that to me should be immediate cause for dismissal. But what do I know? I don't run the Chicago Bears. But we'll be monitoring Justin Fields and Mac Jones' careers. And we'll get to this in a little bit. The AFC East, man. It's going to be interesting with these quarterbacks. Mac Jones, Tua, Zach Wilson, and then Josh Allen, who's now the vet of the division. Crazy to think about. Giant reaction. Let's hear it. What do we
4: got? JJ, Mike, in Scottsdale, Arizona here. The Giants, how do they trade down? You want to tell me all these people are so pumped up about getting all these extra picks? Gettleman realized he was caught with his pants down, and they totally screwed it up once he realized he couldn't get Smith as that stupid cowboy and eagle trade. They messed up. They needed to get a better playmaker for Daniel Jones. See you later. See, I don't
1: think they messed up because that trade's made. You got to adjust. You got to react to the situation. And I'll give Gettleman credit. He reacted. He made a good trade. He got a first round pick, got a couple extra picks. Tony would not have been the receiver I decided to go and take. And anytime I see Baltimore take a player, I'm aware of that. J.K. Dobbins was the perfect example last year. J.K. Dobbins went to Baltimore, and I'm like, this guy's going to blow up. He's going to be terrific. They know what they're doing. The Ravens, for the last 20 years in the draft, have been one of those teams that I look at, and I say, holy shit, they know what they're doing. So Bateman v. Tony, I'll be watching that one. The Giants are thinking, Tony, maybe a better compliment to Kenny Galladay's speed. Got to use him creatively. I wanted the Giants to end up with Devontae Smith. I told you guys this the other day. I wanted one of the Bama wide receivers. Well, both of them are off the board. Then you're up. The Giants didn't reach for a player. They ended up moving down. They got a receiver they like, and they got a couple extra picks. I can't kill them on that thought process. No way, no how. Who's up next?
5: Hey, JJ, this is Mike from Hoboken. I almost had a heart attack earlier tonight. I'm a Giants fan. What do you think the average Giants fan mindset was going through tonight when the Eagles-Dallas made that trade and every Giants fan panicked and then five minutes later felt great about getting three extra picks, including another another number one next year?
0: The the difference from A to B, what do you think everybody was thinking? Go ahead. Listen, it was a wide-ranging emotion. Every
1: which way. If I'm a Giant fan, I'm really ticked off when I see the Eagles trade up with Dallas to make that move. Because we all knew it was the worst kept secret. The Eagles wanted a point making wide receiver. They're going to take Devontae Smith. He won the Heisman Trophy. I'm annoyed about that. I'm absolutely annoyed about that. And then you're like looking at the board and you're saying, well, who am I going to take? Am I going to take Slater? Am I going to reach for a wide receiver? Am I going to take. A defensive player. I mean, I was going through the possibilities in my head right as I was doing the Ringer NFL show. Then they trade down. I loved it. I didn't necessarily love their pick. I loved their thought process. And you wonder if that's the Joe Judge influence coming into the giant way of thinking. Because all those days in New England, you know what New England likes to do, folks. They love trading down. That's their all. That's what they do. Who's up next?
6: What up, JJ? Justin from Nyack. I left the voice of Aaron Judge the other day. Forget about that. That's water under the fucking bridge. The, the Eagles just traded under Dave Dettelman's nose. You're Like, this guy just got fucking finessed and played, bent over backwards by the two teams of the division. Does everyone... Clearly think this guy's a fucking joke. Because it looks like he's got fucking exposed for what he is on national television in primetime. It's embarrassing. This guy is a fucking disaster. This guy is a babbling moron. He's got played by two division rivals on national television. right under his fucking nose. What a fucking imbecile! That's all I got to say. Un-fucking-real this guy. Gentlemen. How is he still here? How does the key card still work? It's unbelievable under his fucking nose. It's like everyone knows an idiot. It's just live and for the world to see. It's fucking crazy shit, man. Fuck the Eagles.
1: I think Justin wanted to throw in every F-bomb imaginable, by the way. I felt like he went out of his way to give you a couple extra curse words. He didn't want to just throw in one. He didn't want to just throw in two. He wanted to throw in maybe seven or eight. And by the way, The dynamic between the Giant fan and the Eagle fan was not great ever. Then you had the Eagles basically laid down in week 17, which, by the way, worked out fine for Philadelphia. I said it that night. People wanted to roast me. You're the Eagles. Who the hell cares about week 17? You're eliminated from the playoffs? Who the hell cares? Got yourself a better pick. I mean, I don't know why they fired Doug Peterson, but again, that's a story for a different day. And now they move up and get the guy that you wanted and Devontae Smith. Not a deal. Tonight though is not my night to kill Dave Gettleman because he did something that I didn't think he had in him. He actually made a smart, practical trade down. Job well done. Last but not least
0: on the G-Men, what do we got? Hey, JJ, this is Ted from Nashville. Hey, I just gotta ask, what is gonna make this fan base happy? Because in my mind, I came away from- from tonight, I seemingly am the only happy person on on the planet Earth that likes the Giants. Um, we traded back; we got a first. I mean, this guy seems absolutely electric. I, I mean, if he stays out of trouble, he's going to be super fun to watch. And and the bottom line is, if this fails, Dave is dead, and the new GM has two first round draft picks. So I I don't understand, you know, why everybody is so pissed. Is it like we were going to make the Super Bowl if we drafted a guard at 11 or an edge rusher at 20? Do people really think that you know that highly of this team? doesn't make sense, JJ. Why doesn't anybody else want to be happy? I don't get it. Thanks a lot. Love the pod.
1: Well, I appreciate those kind words. Um, I think it comes down to the simple fact that the Giants have been awful for a while now. And there are a lot of fans, rightfully so, who don't believe in who don't trust, who don't like this general manager. They don't like his job performance. Remember Meet the Parents, the circle of trust? I always like to talk about the circle of trust with bullpen arms in baseball. I can tell you this, Dave Gettleman for Giant fans is not the circle of trust. He right now is Greg Fokker getting to that house with Bobby De Niro and Jinxie Cat staring him in the face. That's, That's basically Dave Gettleman going in the house of a giant fan. The trust level is not where it needs to be. You nailed something that's important, though. His make or break this year is about the quarterback. And what I've liked so far this offseason is that he said, okay, I'm getting more explosive playmakers around my third-year guy. I'm going to go get Galladay. I'm going to go get Tony. Let's see what the kid can do. If he's going to be my quarterback for the next eight to 10 years, this is a big year for Daniel Jones. The idea of trading down was shockingly well done. I'm like amazed thinking about it, but shockingly well done. What a night it's been. Jet and giant reaction has been off the rails, but there's other draft stuff to get to. And how about the idea that Aaron Rodgers potentially could have played his last game as a Green Bay Packer? What I'm thinking about with my team, did they get it right with Jalen Waddle over Devontae Smith? That's going to be a question that we talk about in this draft for a long, long time. And Trey Lance, a Niner. Justin Fields, a Bear. And I think Simmons might already have bought the jersey. I think he already is uh, getting ready for Mac Jones to be enshrined in Canton. I mean, talk about a guy who's just beyond giddy right now. So we got all the draft stuff to react to. Brutal Thursday for the Yankees and more voicemails. We're wrapping it up with a bang right here. New York, New York, ringer podcast network.
2: This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com.
1: So all in all, I thought this
2: was a crazy draft. And I'm going to do
1: this from time to time. In fact, like when the NBA finals roll around, yeah, you can best believe we're talking finals. NFL football Sundays, we're talking football. That's what we do. So the draft happened. I'm not just giving you the takes on the Giants and the Jets. I'm going to give you some random musings that are running through this little pea brain of mine. The first, I am not the least bit surprised that Mac Jones was not the pick for San Francisco at three. I kind of thought all along the Niners gave up what they gave up to move up to three. They were going to move up, give up all that draft capital for Mac Jones. I didn't see it. They clearly fell in love with Trey Lance throughout the draft process. And now we're going to see what kind of quarterback he can be in Kyle Shanahan's system. The good news is most quarterbacks like playing in Kyle Shanahan's system. And the Niners are one of those franchises that to me, with this new regime, Lynch, Shanahan, they know what they're doing. My second big takeaway following this draft, the Alabama receivers, we've spent a lot of time talking Devontae Smith, not ending up with the New York Giants, ending up with the Philadelphia Eagles, but the Miami Dolphins, my beloved team, Had an opportunity to go with the Heisman Trophy winner. They didn't. They went with the speedier wide receiver. They went with the bigger wide receiver. Both were great. I told you guys this the other day. I honestly could have flipped the coin. I would have taken either or and I wouldn't have been bitching, moaning, you name it. I'm very, very okay with Jalen Waddle and I would have been great with Devontae Smith. You do have to wonder, did the Dolphin Brass Ask Tua, hey, Tua T, you play with these guys in college. Who do you like throwing the football more to? I absolutely would have asked him that question. If I were in the Dolphin Brass, I would have asked the question. I mean, why the hell not? The guy played two or three years in Tuscaloosa with these playmakers. But that will be something to monitor now throughout the draft process and the NFL next couple of years. Draft process is over, so that's maybe not the... The right terminology. I know somebody's going to roast me for that. The season as it progresses. Okay. Close enough. Close enough. Waddle, Devontae Smith. Compare them. And then think about the quarterback dynamic now in New England. Now, there's no way in the world Mac Jones is starting week one, but you knew as he continued to fall in the draft and the Patriots need a young quarterback, they got their guy. I'm sure Coach Hoodie. Got the recommendation from Nick Saban. And that would be pretty cool to have some Mac Jones, Tua games within the AFC East. Mac Jones, Tua, Zach Wilson. And right now the gold standard of quarterbacks in the AFC East. Can't believe I'm saying this. Never would have expected that back in 2018 when he was drafted out of Wyoming. Small school, might I add. Josh Allen right now is a gold standard of quarterbacks within this division. AFC East is going to be a lot of fun. And it's no longer the same AFC East where one team is just going to run amok. Don't see that anymore. I think there's going to be far more parity within this division. So you had all that going on with the draft. All the first round reactions. But the bombshell that dropped earlier today that had my head spinning. Aaron freaking Rodgers maybe throwing in the air the possibility that he has played his last game with the Green Bay Packers. now, Is this a money grab and a money play for Rodgers to go and renegotiate a new contract? I wouldn't rule it out. You've heard now more and more with these quarterbacks the idea of just expressing frustration. We heard it with Russell Wilson in the offseason. We've gone through it with Deshaun Watson now in this never-ending saga for the last four or five months. Rodgers clearly didn't want him to take Jordan Love last year. That's obvious. And I don't think he was in love with the way that last playoff game went against Tampa Bay. I wouldn't be either. Now, Aaron didn't play great. But some of the coaching decisions by before were embarrassing. Rodgers is getting traded. He's going out to the West Coast. Think Vegas. Think Denver. Denver makes sense. We've seen him do it. Jake Palmer, mixed results. Peyton Manning, wonderful results. I think it's actually more likely he ends up in Denver than Rodgers ending up in Vegas. But that is something we'll be watching now. And uh, Dave Gettleman was asked, by the way, about the possibility of Aaron Rodgers being traded and immediately shot it down and said, Daniel Jones is my quarterback. Not that Aaron Rodgers was going to be a Giant, but come on now. The Giants passed up that opportunity. You got even more bulletin board material to go roast Dave Gettleman on, so. That was an interesting subplot seeing that earlier in the day. And I still think it's 65, 35 Aaron Rodgers is back in green Bay, but we will be watching this over the next few days that I can guarantee you. So all this football going on, it's a busy football night, terrible loss for the Yankees today. Terrible, terrible, terrible loss for the Yankees today. Opportunity to go win three out of four. They get a well-pitched game out of Montgomery. And, You can't go and hit the Baltimore Oriole bullpen. You get a two-out, two-strike hit from Gleyber Torres in the ninth inning, and you tie the game in dramatic fashion. Runner on second, nobody out. First of all, explain this to me. Why is Aaron Boone taking Rugnet Odor out of the game? I know Aaron Judge didn't play, which is a story for a different day as far as frustration is concerned. Odor has had big hits for the Yankees. You know at some point there's going to be an opportunity to use Aaron Judge. Don't use him in that spot. Let Odor hit who had a two-run single. I don't need to see Aaron Judge hit for Odor. Hit him in a different situation. That's number one. Number two, that 10th inning, Tyler Wade is not a major league player. Tyler Wade trying to lay down a bunt was embarrassing to watch. He looked like a guy who belonged to, like, the 11- and 12-year-old All-Stars. Except he's not even an All-Star. The 11- and 12-year-old All-Stars know how to drop a bunt down. He couldn't do it. And to tell you what the Yankees think of Wade, they basically said, yeah, screw you. Two strikes, we don't give a shit. Try and put the bunt down again. Couldn't do it. So naturally, he can't get a bunt down in extra innings. The Yankees don't move a runner, and they don't score. One thing you know about these Orioles series so far, Cedric Mullins has killed the Yankees. Runner on third, one out. Why in God's name are you pitching to him? Why? What is the thought process there? Let somebody else go and beat you. The Yankees and Aaron Boone didn't even consider it because they were asked after the game, did you think about walking Mullins? And he said, no, no. Well, that's a mistake. This is a bad series for the Yankees. The Orioles are not any good. You should not be splitting a four-game series with the Orioles with the start they've gotten off to. Winning three out of four in Cleveland, very good. Splitting this four-game series, not good enough. And they got the Tigers coming in this weekend, minimum got to get two out of three. I mean, Cyril already got to start winning some series. They're playing a little bit better. It's nice to see Gleyber Torres show some serious signs of life. Very encouraging. It's nice to see DJ LeMayu start to get it going with the bat. But the Yankee offense continues to stink, as all continues to stink. Voicemail time.
5: Pottery. Who's on the horn? J.J., it's
0: Anthony and Siosset. What is Tyler Wade's role on this fucking team? I mean, this motherfucker has never stolen a big base. He's never gotten a big fucking
5: hit. They're in Baltimore now, man on second, no outs. They ask him to lay down a fucking bunt. He can't even do that. Two strikes, he fucking bunts his foul. What the fuck is this guy's role on this team? All this motherfucker does is fucking put his skinny tight jeans on, his fucking high top shoes, and upload to Instagram. And he thinks that's, he thinks that's fucking contributing to the success of the Yankees. Get this guy off my fucking team.
1: That might go down as my favorite New York, New York voicemail that we have received so far from the great Anthony and Syosset. And yes, I think Tyler Wade's primary focus on the Yankees is to flip back the California cool hair, wear the skinny jeans, as you alluded to, and post all sorts of pictures on his Instagram and his Instagram story. As far as being a productive, competent big league player, he is not. And that's why he continues to ride the shuttle between AAA and the big leagues. He's not a major league player. I know how many times I need to say it. You threw in a few MFers. God bless you for that. You got on the skinny jeans. You know, I rock the skinny jeans now from time to time. They look good. They look good. I could get a bump down better than Tyler Wade, though. That I can
0: guarantee you. Who's up next? Hey, John. It's Lucas from Stanford. Just an absolutely brutal loss to the Yankees. And they didn't lose because of the extra inning rule. I'll get to that in a second. They lost because... When they don't homer, they don't win. It's a formula that's been brewing for the past three years under Aaron Boone. And when they don't homer, they're not going to win. It's just as simple as that. As for the extra inning rule, I cannot stand it. Any any that supports this rule just it, just is completely out of their mind. This whole notion that baseball takes too slow, games take too long, is to me is completely preposterous. The, the, the fact that the Yankees going to lose that game because they got the Orioles got a sacrifice bunt and a sacrifice fly. I know the Yankees didn't. On top half of their inning, but it's such an inauthentic way to to end a game. Rob Manfred is just so clueless, in my opinion, as, as the commissioner of baseball, the whole bump garner seven-inning nonsense. Like, give him a no-hitter. You could, the extra inning rule is crap. Something needs to change here, and uh, he's just too stubborn to fix it. It's a real shame. I'll you your thought. Well, I
1: appreciate the call, Lucas. Listen, I'm over the extra inning rule, too. I'm over the extra inning rule. You want to tell me after 12 innings, you want to resort to this, so be it. Um, There's no flow. 10th inning, 11th inning, there's absolutely no flow. Now, that's not the excuse I'm going to use for the Yankees losing this game. Sorry, I refuse to do that. And I'm glad that you were up front with that. Because to me, that's bullshit thinking. They lost this game because they couldn't hit a lick. They lost this game because they had a runner on second, nobody out in extra innings, and couldn't move them, and couldn't score. You deserve to lose when that happens. You also deserve to lose when your manager... He's going to be stubborn, and he's going to neglect walking the guy who basically has cleaned the clock this entire series and did so when they played at Yankee Stadium a few weeks ago. Yankees deserve to lose this game on Thursday. Wasted a good effort from Montgomery and wasted a big two-out, two-strike hit in the ninth inning from Gleyber Torres. Would have felt a lot differently about this series. They won three out of four. But call on the mound Friday night. Got to take care of business against the Tigers. Who's up next?
4: JJ, big fan, uh, new fan. Sergio from Connecticut, really enjoying the show. Congratulations on coming to the ringer. I've been listening to the first episode I play. on listening to them all. I'm on cloud nine as the Eagles fan. We got Devontae Smith. We snatched him from the Giants' cause. I'm happy that he didn't end up in New York. Anyway, that's not what I'm here to talk about. I'm here to talk about the Mets. The Mets and DeGrom. What are the Mets going to do about this offense? This offense is terrible. This offense is not hitting. Lindor is not hitting. I know it's early in the season, but this is demoralizing. Like, Jacob DeGrom, the best pitcher in baseball, should be 4-0 and right now, 5-0. But he's 2-2 and with, like, a .38 ERA. What do you do? Do you switch around the lineup? Do you try batting? Jacob DeGrom at cleanup, I mean, he could do everything else. I'm getting a little frustrated, and I'm usually pretty patient. But come on now, how much more of this do we have to put up with before something happens to change this, you know? Anyway, thanks, thanks for taking the call. Well, Sergio, I appreciate the kind of love,
1: and I understand your pain with what's going on with the Mets. It's amazing. We have two baseball teams in town. Neither can hit, And it's beyond absurd when it comes to the Mets and their lack of support for the best pitcher in all baseball. Now, DeGrom, it's amazing. His standard is so crazy high that you look at six innings of one-run baseball, and it's eh, so-so good start for DeGrom. Not as vintage, very best. You still should win that game 95 out of 100 times. And the Mets have a losing record in Jacob DeGrom starts. And you know he's feeling the heat early? It is obvious. There's one guy in the lineup right now who's feeling the heat. And it's because he signed a $300-plus million contract in the offseason. That's Lindor. Listen, Mike Piazza got booed. Alex Rodriguez got booed. Derek Jeter and Mariano Rivera got booed which, by the way, was a little ridiculous. But the point I'm trying to make is, welcome to New York. Sorry, bro. If that's going to bother you, and I don't think it will, that's not the sense I get with Lindor. I don't think he's that sensitive. I don't think he's going to be that, like, turned off by it. You got to know what you're getting yourself into. You can turn those booze around very, very quickly. You go seven for 10 and smack a couple home runs against the Phillies this weekend. Don't worry, they'll be cheering you. But when you are the hired gun, when you are the big money item that a team is bringing in, know this. You're going to be under that microscope day in and day out. That's just the way it is. And when Doerr's not the only guy, I mean, up and down the lineup, they are not hitting, they are not scoring runs, and their at bats were putt. Wednesday against the Red Sox. It's got to be better. I mean, I-, I don't know what to do. You want to change up the look of the lineup, feel the lineup? These are the guys. They're not going to hit. I don't know what to tell you. I really don't know what to tell you. That was disheartening, though, on Wednesday night. Very disheartening. Who's up next?
0: What's up, JJ? My name is Kyle from Long Island. I just came back from the Mets game. Uh, I spent about two innings. Uh, you know, trying to enjoy the game, but got lightheaded, fell, and chipped three teeth, um, which ended up being uh, more um, ruined teeth than Mets hits the total game. So uh, I spent most of the game uh, getting attended to by the medical staff. And, uh, you know, I think it's time we fired Chili Davis. What about you? What do you think? All right. Peace.
1: Well, first off, I feel like I should start a GoFundMe page for your dental trouble. I mean, that's a scary, scary sight. Uh, firing hitting coaches accomplishes absolutely nothing. Everybody was raving about Chili Davis two years ago when he came in and changed the med approach offensively. Now nobody likes Chili Davis. Hitting coaches to me mean absolutely nothing in baseball. I, I don't pay any attention to them. They're kind of window dressing. If you think Chili Davis is the reason to mess on not scoring runs, wake up and smell the coffee. Who's up next?
5: JJ, it's Mr. K from Patrides. Listen, I got an issue with these draft guys you have on there saying that they know everything. Go get this guy, go get that guy. They think it's a, they think it's a deli to just go, you know, pick a number and order something. You know, this guy you had on running down Daniel Jones his turnover machine, gear and headlight. This guys had 31 turnovers in his first two years. You know who had more than that? Peyton Manning had 48. Tom Brady had 35. That was with a Super Bowl team. You know why they, they years ago they used to sit the these quarterbacks when they drafted them? It wasn't so they could sit back and learn. It's because they weren't any good. Build the team, then add your quarterback. Kind of worked out for Mahomes. They were a playoff team with Al Smith. Then they went out and got that quarterback. That's the way you win a championship. Not this stupid way going. Take a look at the quarterbacks that were taken in the first round. 19 out of 26 in the first round the last 10 years. Buff, not with the team anymore. At 70%, buyer beware. Good luck. Love you, JJ.
1: Excellent call from the great Mr. K, um, who brings up a fair point about building a team the right way. Where you want to have the infrastructure and the pieces. And that's why I'm so encouraged from a Jet standpoint, Becton, another offensive lineman, loading up in that area so that way the young quarterback can hit the ground running. Now, listen, you're asking more of these young quarterbacks than you did 10, 15, 20 years ago. That's just the way the sport works now. Quarterbacks don't sit. They get on the field and play. Mahomes was a rare instance. Aaron Rodgers sitting for multiple years, nobody's doing that anymore. That's why if you're the Jets, Vera Tucker, Becton, keep Wilson upright. For the Giants, Jones has to be better taking care of the football. You can point out Brady, and yes, Manning threw a shitload of interceptions his rookie year. You watched Peyton Manning play, though, and the it factor was off the charts. You could see it even in his second year. That it factor I have not seen yet from Daniel Jones. That's just real talk. Who's up next?
0: Hey, JJ, Isaac from Williamsburg here. I'm a Nets, Giants, and Yankees fan. Love your coverage of the Yankees and Giants, but you're an absolute Nets hater. I heard Turtle from Entourage say he'd rather have the current Knicks roster than the big three, and I gasped audibly. You call this team unlikable. Stop with the slander, you Knicks homer. The big three are incredibly entertaining to watch every night. Kyrie should be getting MVP chatter. Harden is an offensive genius, and KD is the best basketball player ever to lace it up in New York. Also, if you look at the support
4: oh cast, how could they be unlikable? Oh, my unlikable. God. That's Who doesn't insulting. love watching
0: Joe Harris drain threes? The grit and grind of Bruce Brown. Blake Griffin leading the league in charges, and Nick Claxton blossom into a starting NBA center. And we've only seen the big three play like five games together all season. The best is yet to come. Anyway, even though you're a Nets hater, love the show, JJ. Keep it up. Bye.
1: I mean, you're waxing poetic about the Nets like they won 72 games and it is Chicago Bulls from 95-96. This big three is barely played. They barely played. I I I mean, the the Net fan is tough to take. Listen, I've killed the Knicks for 20 years. This, like, inferiority complex, holy moly, you guys got to calm down. You guys got to calm down. Pounding your chest, Kyrie MVP nonsense. Then I got to hear Durant is the best player to ever play in New York. The guy's played like, 25 games. You're going to tell me he's better than fucking Walclad Frazier? Come on, bro. We're not talking about the totality of Durant's career. Notice, I'm making that point very clear. Durant as a net, not Durant in Golden State, not Durant in Oklahoma City, Durant as a net has played a handful of games. Do not insult me in trying to make the argument in New York basketball law, this is the best player to ever play in New York, please. They gotta do it in New York. Not other places here because the city is New York. You have to do it here. That's incredibly tough to take. Very tough to take. See, that's where I can actually throw an F-bomb in and it actually feels appropriate, you know? Good use of it. You guys have been uh, very uh, free-flowing in that regard. You have the ability to do so. More power to you. Last one. You guys have been fire, by the way. Absolutely fire with these voicemails. I love it. Who's up next?
4: Hey, this is Jack from Westchester. I have to pause this last episode uh, to send this in because let's just talk to Nets fans for a second. Calm your fucking tits, Like, fucking relax. You're rooting for the biggest snake baby back bitch that's ever been in this league in Kevin Durant. Fucking James Harden, who spends more time at Larry Point Hustler Club than he does working out or putting up shots and the weirdest dude of all time, Kyrie Irving, like enjoy, but also take a fucking breath, like relax, man. I don't know what else to say. I'd rather root for Julius Randall 365 out of 365 days than try to fucking get it up for these bizarre fucking snake freaks with a little bit of talent. All right, I'm, I'm beside myself. Goodbye.
1: I love that we're at opposite ends of the spectrum. That is becoming a thing, by the way, on this podcast. I feel like the net fan is very defensive. The Knicks fan then comes back and goes on the attack. And then you just have this back and forth that we deal with. The Knicks are more likable. The Nets are better. That's an easy way to end the conversation. The Nets are the better team by a lot. Are the Knicks easy to root for? Like, if you are a casual basketball fan that does not have a rooting allegiance, yes, by leaps and bounds. And I'm not a Nick homer, by the way, for saying that the Nets are unlikable. I go and poll people on Twitter. Nobody likes this net team. Nobody. And people will be rooting for them like crazy to fall flat on their face in the playoffs. And I will be doing the same thing even though I have a couple of bucks on them to win the title, I don't care. It does not matter to me. I do not want them winning. I don't want the Lakers winning either. Anybody. I told you this the other day. Milwaukee, Miami, Utah, Phoenix, do not care. No Lakers, no Nets. This guy is happy. Speaking of being very happy, our draft props, by the way, I don't want to toot my own horn, but we hit a bunch. We had Jalen Waddell over Devontae Smith. We had Jalen Waddell under. We had Najee Harris under. Sewell over. That's what you call going out with a bang with the NFL draft. Maybe that's my area expertise from a gambling standpoint. It's weird. It's like a weird time of the year with the gambling because I'm like ready to ramp it up with the NBA and the NHL playoffs. And I'm not like the biggest NHL guy. I think anybody who listens to me knows that. But like the playoffs roll all around. I'm into it like crazy. Beacon at the whole deal. Baseball every day is a grind. So that's why I really got after it with these FanDuel props for the draft. And I'm just happy that a bunch of them ended up cashing. That'll be nice. I'll see that in my FanDuel account next time in Jersey. Hallelujah. Speaking of a guy who's got a little extra loot in that FanDuel account. The great Jeff Money. What up, Money?
5: Hey, J.J., Jeff Money here with a handicap pick. This will be for tomorrow, Friday, April the 30th. Let's see if we can keep our hot streak going. I know the other day we hit with the Knicks and the Giants. Today I hit with the uh, Oakland Athletics. So for tomorrow and Major League Baseball, I like one play. I like the Arizona Diamondbacks minus the 120. You got Bum Gardner, who's coming off uh, a seven-inning no-hitter there. He's been pitching great the last two outings, and the Rockies have been terrible on the road. So, again, we're going to go with the Arizona Diamondbacks, minus the 120 is my money play. All right, JJ, take care. Out of here. Let's go.
1: Jeff Money has been red hot. So Jeff Money is sticking with the formula. He's sticking with what works. Late night, Arizona Diamondback baseball. (sighs) I can't agree with that one. I love Jeff Money. And right now, Jeff Money has made you guys a good chunk. I've gone against him a few times. It has not worked out well for me. I don't like Bumgarner off the no-hitter. I know he's throwing the ball well. I'd roll the dice, take my lumps, and take the Colorado Rockies and bring the barf bag with me. That's probably what I would do. This has been a loaded show. What a time. What a time. Boy, did we deliver. I don't know who delivered more. My draft props or... Your reaction with the voicemails. Well, in case you're wondering, there's more draft stuff this weekend, Yankees, Mets, all the basketball. How do I get in touch with the show? It's very easy. 917-382-1151. That's 917-382-1151. It's a big part of our show. We do it every single episode of New York, New York. We want you folks involved. Bring the heat, bring the fire. You can even drop an F-bomb if you want to drop an F-bomb. More power to you. And I'm going to be back Sunday night. Full recap of the draft, plus pro football-focused draft analyst Mike Renner and Zach Wilson's college coach at BYU, Kalani Sataki, will get the ins and outs on what to expect with the new Jet quarterback. Enjoy your weekend. Man, I'm fired up. And you know what I need right now? I need a beer. JJ out. Be good, everybody.